We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select... Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by The Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Yusei Koshal. We're recording this episode on Wednesday, January 17th. Now, a few weeks um, out from the end of the Bears season, we are fully into uh, playoff mode right now with the playoffs uh, going in, in, in the NFL right now. But before we get started today, you said, how are we doing today, man? Yeah, man, I'm doing well. You're right. You know, the playoffs are underway. The Bears sees off season, I should say, is well underway with a lot of the information that's kind of coming out. So, you know, things are beginning to ramp up here for Chicago. Yeah, and, and there hasn't been a ton of news out there, mostly just the, the usual stuff. Like every day is a, is a war on Twitter between the Justin Fields fans and the Caleb Williams fans, or even the few Drake May guys that are out there as well. Like that's, that's a daily discussion at this point that I'm sure is going to go on for months until we get, you know, some type of resolution on there. Um, But, you know, the bears still, you know, interviewing offensive coordinator candidates as of right now. So we'll definitely be touching on that a little bit. Um, We'll be touching on uh, the playoffs and, um, some, some of the development of what we're seeing from some of the younger quarterbacks in the NFL today and how that can inform the Bears' decision this offseason. Speaking of the Bears' decision this offseason, there's some interesting news in ter- regarding college quarterbacks this past weekend that we're going to be talking about today as well. It, but let's get into the offensive coordinator search because we touched on it um, a bit last week. We went over some candidates um, that – you know, that, that the Bears have been interviewing and some that would make sense for the Bears. And, you know, for the most part, they've all kind of made sense, I feel like. You know, starting with Shane Waldron and you got Greg Olson and Jack Cohn. You know, a lot of the guys, Clint Kubiak, guys that are are coming from the same kind of West Coast, Sean McVay, Shanahan style of tree. 
which kind of lends you to the belief that that's kind of the offense that the Bears are, are wanting to run next year, regardless of who the offensive coordinator is. But we got a little bit of a, of a curveball in there um, a few days ago with some news that Greg Roman um, was interviewed by the Bears um, for their offensive coordinator position. Now, this could be something. This could be nothing. Because, um, But Greg Roman, he's a very – how do I put this? Um, <laughs> very di- di- divisive, di- divisive uh, figure among offensive na- offensive coordinators out there because he's got a very distinct style um, for his offenses, and we, we can get into that a little bit here. But um, you know, just speaking off off the Greg Roman um, interview, what are your thoughts on that, and what do you think it means for, if anything, for the bigger picture with the Bears? I mean, it's certainly a wild card, but also you look at this and you kind of say, you know, the Bears are making this move and interviewing this guy basically two years later than they probably should have. Now, I ultimately look at the entire situation and I say, you're casting this incredibly wide net here because to me, tunnel vision would have been bringing guys like Shane Waldron and Thomas Brown and basically saying we're only going to pick from the McVeigh Shanahan tree, but it's good to see them picking Greg Roman's brain, especially regarding what he could potentially do for Justin Fields. I think a lot of people tend to forget that despite the fact that things ended in a certain way for Greg Roman in Baltimore. It's also so key to keep in mind that you look at the work that he did with Colin Kaepernick back in San Francisco about a decade ago. You look at what he did with Lamar Jackson, which again, to this day, six years later, I still think a lot of the pre-draft narrative surrounding Lamar Jackson was a lot of just unfairness to him. But ultimately, you know, Greg Roman does make a lot of sense because The problem with right now is this, is that as a team and as a franchise, just because the Bears are picking number one overall, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be selecting a quarterback. And the easy thing to do is go with Caleb Williams, but is it technically speaking the right thing to do for your locker room? And so this Bears team, let's just say they bring in Greg Roman. I mean, you're pushing all the chips on the table, hoping that Roman can finally unlock Justin Fields. But again, like we know what he is as a runner. We still need to know what Fields can develop into in terms of his consistency as a passer. So it's a move where you're casting a wide net and you're just doing as much homework as possible as you can on all these guys. Yeah, and, and we should mention that just because they're interviewing Greg Roman doesn't mean they're going to necessarily hire Greg Mo- Roman um, or necessarily that that's the direction they want to go. And like you said, some of this could be they just want to pick his brain a little bit. They want to get you know a different perspective and not just bark down the same tree of you know that kind of Shanahan West Coast you know Kubiak um, style of system, McVeigh style of system. Um, that a lot of their other candidates kind of had been a part of. Um, so, you know, getting a different perspective into the building. And, you know, I know it's been kind of rumored that they've, that you know, has wanted to get Roman on the staff for a while now. And I also thought this point made by uh, Adam Johns um, on the Hogan Johns podcast is pretty interesting when he mentioned that, you know, this could be with all the candidates that they brought in, this could be them in a way kind of, them interviewing guys to put together their staff, 
where, you know, they're, they're, yes, they're interviewing them for the offensive coordinator position, but there might be also conversations about adding these guys just onto the staff in general in different roles. And, and Roman would make a lot of sense as like a run game coordinator because, you know, you look at Roman's resume, the thing that stands about, about him um, as a coordinator and as a play caller is that his offenses routinely are among the best rushing offenses in the NFL. Every single year uh, that he's been a coordinator except one, uh, his offenses have finished in the top five in total rushing yards and have finished in the top five in yards per rush in every year except two years, uh, both of those coming in his San Francisco days. The only only year he didn't have a top five rushing attack for his offense was his first year as a coordinator in 2011 with, with when Alex Smith was the quarterback. And as we know, in 2012, they, they shifted to Colin Kaepernick at that quarterback spot, really unlocked the quarterback run game. And that's kind of been the staple of you know all of his offenses. You know he went to Buffalo. He had Tyrod Taylor there. They ran a very similar system. And then obviously in Baltimore, um, kind of took things to another level from a run game standpoint with Lamar Jackson, who's just this special, unique, you know, almost generational talent in terms of a running quarterback. If that makes sense, like, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson is only a running quarterback. But I'm saying his skill set as a runner is you know something you don't see come around very often in, in the NFL. Um, so if you're hiring Greg Roman, to me, that signals that, at least as an offensive coordinator, not necessarily just bring him on the staff, but as an offensive coordinator, if you hire him as an off- offensive coordinator, that's a strong signal to me that you're sticking with Justin Fields because it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to hire Greg Roman to be your OC with Caleb Williams and especially Drake, man, I'm not saying those guys can't run quarterback run stuff, but that's not their skill set. Their skill set is what they do as passers. Right. And Justin Fields, you know, right now, like you said, we're still trying to figure out, you know, whether he can figure it out as a passer. And Greg Roman is not the type of offensive coordinator you bring in to, you know, develop him as a passer because Greg Roman, quite frankly, as a, coordinator as a passing game coordinator is not good <laughs> like like Greg Roman you know he's he, the way I see it he's kind of like a better version of Luke Getze where he's gonna have a very good diverse run game quarterback run maybe he's, he's gonna lean into the quarterback run game a lot more than Getze but the passing s- system the schematics um the emphasis in the passing game is just it, it's just really not there and there's a reason why a lot of wide receivers just don't like playing in Greg Roman's offense is because they don't really do much. They block all the time. And it's just not – for wide receivers, I know it's not really a fun um, offense for them to play on. Um, you know, and kind of going off the statistics here, like Greg Roman, most of his offenses have been bottom five in passing yards um, during his tenure. Like they just don't throw the ball a lot. There's a lot of years where they're finishing dead last in passing attempts. Like they just don't, he doesn't throw the ball a lot. And that's just been a staple of his offenses going all the way back to San Francisco. And again, we have to acknowledge a couple things here. Number one, when the game has evolved so much and when Roman was in San Francisco and Roman was in Buffalo, I mean, that was when teams were just beginning to kind of continue to install and really incorporate the RPO, a lot of the designed runs into the offenses and kind of just making those schematic and foundational pillars of 
whatever personnel groupings they had and everything that they did. And so the game's changed so much to the point where it's almost kind of fair to argue that the game potentially has passed Greg Roman by in a sense. And you don't know if he is going to be the best fit for this team and for this offense. Because again, the guy has proven time and time again, and they always say, you know, your tapes, your resume, but the guy's proven time and time again, yet he can get the most out of a lot of these Russian quarterbacks. But then also the reality is that they bears kind of have to figure out what exactly are they trying to do with this entire offensive coordinator search? Because you could bring in a guy like Greg Roman, who, Again, we've termed as a wild card. But then you also look at some of the other options that the Bears have, and all of a sudden you have Clint Kubiak in that mix. You have Shane Waldron. You have a Thomas Brown. And so you're very much getting these guys that are coming from these pass-happy, explosive offenses. And quite frankly, you know, listening to Matt Eberflus talk last week, one of the big things that he alluded to was, hey, look, we need someone as an offensive coordinator who's going to be more explosive and push the ball down the field more, which is pretty much code for, yeah, we need our passing game to be more explosive. Absolutely. I think, you know, having more of an explosive element in the passing game would be very beneficial. Again, like I said, is Greg Roman the type of guy for that? Maybe. Um, Maybe not, you know. Again, I I don't think this is necessarily a given that Greg Roman is going to be on the Bears staff in any way, shape, or form. Like I said before, it most likely they're trying to just get different opinions in the building. You know, Eberflus has been a guy who's probably wanted to um, get Greg Roman involved because of you know how how good he is as a run game coordinator, and he very much is a very good run game coordinator um, when it comes to who you know, the way he designs a run game and calls a run game. I'm very good with that aspect of, of the game. It's just that in a passing league, you know, in my opinion, you're, you're just very limited with a guy like Greg Roman as your play caller. There's a definite ceiling there is what I'm getting at ultimately. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how this, this offensive coordinator position really plays out for the Bears because, you know, I think they've concluded most of – the interviews for the guys that they're, they're going to bring in and consider. Now we're going to get into second interviews and second stage of stuff. You know, it, I will say, like, I really hope they move quick with this because as we get more information out there, like the saints have, you know, moved on from um, their offensive coordinator and, and they're going to be interviewing guys, you know, uh, again, there are a lot of openings across the NFL. You know, Shane, I look at Shane Waldron in particular, as a guy who is going to be very popular among these NFL teams and, and somebody who teams are going to want to bring into their building and, and try to get him to be their, their coordinator on that side of the ball. So, you know, my, my only hope is that the bears, whatever decision they end up making, that they decide quickly on it so that they can get, they can get the ball rolling on, you know, some other important decisions that they have to make, namely at, at the quarterback position. And that's ultimately the big question is in terms of this offensive coordinator hire, you could argue this right now is that it's the second biggest domino in the Bears offseason because the big domino is this is going to be, hey, what is this team going to do with the first overall pick? And then that second domino that comes in, that's going to give us a lot of information and kind of start to paint the bigger picture in terms of the first overall pick and what the Bears do. Now, to me, I look at this and I say, look, there's – a lot of these young teams around the NFL, you've got, you know, a few 
first and second year starters in the playoffs right now. But then you also have guys that have been starting consistently for four, five, six years at this point, like a Patrick Mahomes, like a Josh Allen. And really, this is where the gaps come into place that the Bears are just going to have to go ahead and bridge is how do you effectively look at the model for a lot of these organizations around the league and say, okay, that is how we're going to develop a guy. And I will say having consistency at the offensive coordinator spot is the biggest domino probably because the Bears have never had that, to be honest. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, well, speaking of looking at the model, I think the one thing that we can look to is to the playoffs right now. And, you know, the playoffs offers uh, with the teams alive right now, you know, a de- a definitely a lot to learn from if you're the Bears in terms of, you know, how can you best build a team um, that can be successful um, in, not only to get to the playoffs but win in the postseason, but also how to do so developing a, a young quarterback. And I look at, look, the NFC, it, let's just be honest, it's very down here for the NFC. Like your quarterbacks in the NFC right now that are left, you got Baker Mayfield on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you know, nice quarterback, nice success story, kind of him getting – you know, his career back on track, but we would not consider Baker Mayfield like to be a top end franchise quarterback. Jared Goff, kind of the same thing with the lions, you know, a very solid starter. He's had a really nice year with Ben Johnson, but I, I don't think a lot of people would consider him a, a, a top tier franchise quarterback. He got Brock Purdy, um, you know, for the 49ers um, who's developed very well in that Shanahan system. But, you know, I, I look at like the only case in the NFC where you can see that, there's a young guy that clearly is a franchise guy and has developed in a system for a while with that consistency, like you're talking about with that offensive coordinator spot has been Jordan love in green Bay. Um, and then you go to the AFC, you look at CJ Stroud, you know, what the Texans has have been able to do with CJ Stroud, you know, it's kind of like a chicken and the egg situation too there though. When you look at, you know, has CJ Stroud been awesome because of the Texans coaching staff or does the Texans coaching staff look better because CJ Stroud has been so awesome? Like that's kind of that that weird thing um, that you kind of have to balance there because of how good he has been as a rookie, which is just very very rare to look at. Uh, but then you get like like Mahomes, obviously was a success story of development, correct development, a guy who had all the tools in the world coming out of college, just needed to kind of channel those tools into being a a productive 
player and structure. Josh Allen, kind of the same thing. All the tools in the world, like probably the most toolsy quarterback we've ever seen come out of the draft outside of like your John Elway types um, going way back to like the 80s um, or Andrew Luck even. Um, Just rare physical talent that just needed to be kind of molded. Um, And then Lamar Jackson, obviously, who's kind of had his unique – development track working under that greg roman offense being more of that running quarterback first but slowly coming along as more of a nuanced developed consistent passer as he's matured in the nfl um so in my opinion so like looking at you know the quarterbacks that are left you said you know what do you think are some of the lessons that the bears can take away there as they're making not only the the quarterback decision but also the offensive coordinator to kind of pair with that quarterback I mean, it's really two things here, and it all starts with the coaching staff as well as the offensive coordinator. Number one, you need someone who is willing to be adaptive. You need someone who's going to go ahead and innovate, someone who's basically going to step up to the podium and say, yeah, and not just coach speak, but genuinely say, yes, you know, Whatever we did this past week or these last few games clearly hasn't worked. It's on us to go ahead and to adapt. And then the second big thing is this, is you have to figure out what you're looking for in a quarterback. It's no use in going ahead and drafting a quarterback and then you not necessarily having the scheme or the personnel in place, as well as the players to go ahead and necessarily build around that guy. And again, that's where the Bears have kind of gotten really desperate over the last basically decade or so in terms of yeah we're gonna go ahead we're gonna draft the guy but we're not gonna have the best situation the best talent and the best personnel around him which for those of y'all wondering talent and personnel are two completely different things like your personnel feeds into your offense your talent has to fit whatever personnel you are looking for but then ultimately with that young quarterback you know you have to stick to a plan and what that means is don't get too high don't get too low if there's struggles, don't just immediately hit the panic button like we've seen this franchise do. No, develop a plan of one, two, three, four-year plan and just be willing to go ahead and ride it out. Now, again, part of the problem with the Bears is that they love to go ahead and draft quarterbacks and then hire a new coaching staff the very next year. So there's just no consistency there in terms of the GM, the quarterback, and the head coach can never just fully align. And so – that ultimately is a major problem because there's not necessarily continuity because your quarterback then is drafted to play under one coaching staff. What's got a different vision and a different mission compared to another new set of staff. The last thing I will say is this, is that CJ Stroud, you could quite frankly argue is an anomaly in a sense. And he's really an exception to the rule because when we look at where CJ's at and no disrespect to him, I mean, he's in a really stable situation. But if we look at a lot of these guys coming out of college over basically the last eight to 10 years, you go back and look at that class of 21 with Trevor Lawrence, you go back and you look at Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, and you could even throw Zach Wilson and Justin Fields in there. I mean, it's very clear that those guys weren't necessarily, I mean, they were talented coming out, but they did not have as productive rookie seasons as CJ Stroud did. And that's because they were basically called franchise saviors from the beginning 
Whereas CJ Stroud, it was kind of, yeah, you can take your time, you can go and develop. And that's not me disrespecting CJ Stroud, but just ultimately realizing and understanding that he walked into a really stable situation. I mean, the only quarterback I think that walked into a more stable situation than him was Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. And so in a sense, it's unfair to compare expectations for whoever the Bears quarterback is going to be next year, if it is a rookie to CJ Stroud and his situation, because it's two completely different dynamics. Well, did CJ Stroud enter a stable? The thing with CJ Stroud is I look at the Texans and like, you look at the Texans last year, they weren't too dissimilar from the Bears. Like they had literally, it came down to like whether the Texans had the number one overall pick of the Bears came down to the last play of the season for the Texans, right? Like they were legitimately awful with Davis Mills kind of running the ship there at that quarterback spot. And, you know, look, I mean, Demuka Ryan has been awesome as his first year head coach, but he's also a first year head coach. Bobby Sloak, a first year offensive play caller. It's not like the Texans have been some model of a greatly run franchise. Um, I do really like Mahomes much more, like probably the best stable um, most stable situation that you could ask for, you know, going to a team coached by Andy Reid, sitting for a year under Alex Smith, you know, having Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey to throw the ball to right away, two elite weapons. Like, there's no, no better situation other than that. Like, the two most comparable, well, Brock Purdy, obviously, it, it is really benefiting from the Shanahan system and all the elite weapons they have there in that offense. And then Jordan Love, I'd say, is probably the other good example. So I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say that C.J. Stroud is a good example. If anything, I'd say C.J. Stroud is an example of, like, say, if you're the Bears, like, look how quickly things can change once you get the quarterback right, right? Because, you know, would the Texans be having success they would if, if Davis Mills was their, was their quarterback? Heck no, right? The entire talk for the Texans going into the year was that they were going to be a bottom five team once again because that roster was still far away. Right. But when you get the right quarterback in there who can elevate the talent around him, right, it just elevates the rest of that of your team. It elevates the rest of the offense. We weren't talking about, you know, guys in that roster like Tank Dell, um, Nico Collins, you know, you know, the offensive line, they've had some struggles there with health and, and, and some injuries there as well. We weren't talking about that offense as being some juggernaut of an offense. They had some solid players there. But I think Sage Stroud is an example of, of if you get that quarterback position right, he can really elevate things really quickly for you right there. So if anything, that's a lesson for the Bears in terms of like, hey, like don't be afraid to shoot for greatness at that quarterback spot because if you nail that position, um, you have that guy in a rookie contract now. That makes things so much more easier for you to figure out the rest of the pieces for your franchise there because the Texans, it's not like they have everything figured out in that roster. That roster is still – not like a great roster or anything, but you know, CJ Stroud's been so awesome. He's been able to cover up with some things and, and elevate some things. But I, I think, I, I think if anything, like love is a great example of going to a good situation though. Cause what was the story with Jordan love coming out of college? Right. You know, he was he was a guy who at Utah state struggled his final year. I think he threw more interceptions than touchdowns. Accuracy was an issue. Um, playing in structure was, was an issue. A guy who had a lot of physical tools to work with in terms of arm talent and being able to make some really nutty throws um, in college, but low level competition didn't really play well on a pretty bad team, bad situation. Um, And he struggled early on in his career in green Bay. Right. I remember that his first start against the Kansas city Chiefs, where it was just really ugly for him. 
Um, he had some notable bad performances in those first couple of years as well, um, you know, coming off the bench. But look, he, he had some time to work on, on some mechanical flaws, more time in that system to kind of, you know, master what Matt LaFleur wants to run, Matt LaFleur being more comfortable, you know, knowing what to call for Jordan Love and, and being comfortable in terms of those guys being on the same page with the offense and how to, you know, run it run it better and, and run it on the same page. And what do you know, Jordan Love develops and he becomes the guy that his physical talent was able to kind of live up to. Right. So I think, I think love is a good example of that where, you know, you put a guy in a good situation and who's got some physical talent and you can really see a guy blossom. If you have a plan set out for him and you, and you give him time to develop here. So um, look, there I think the biggest thing to take away here is that there isn't really one way to go about this in terms of the one correct way to develop a quarterback because all these guys are different, right? Some guys have the ability to overcome bad, bad circumstances and still be great. Some guys need, you know, a good situation to really come into their own. And a lot of it is just that like, we really don't know at the end of the day who are, who's wired the, the right way to, make the necessary adjustments in their game and, and maximize their ability at the NFL level. Right. Because look, are the bears setting up it, whether it's Justin or the next guy they draft, whether it's Caleb Williams, Drake may, whoever um, to be successful, you know, in some ways they are right. Because DJ Moore, you got number one wide receiver, Cole commits, you know, a solid receiving tight end. You got a young developing offensive line, but on the other hand, like you have instability at the coaching, right? Like you don't know, you know, Matt Eberflus being a defensive-minded head coach, you know, is he going to be here after next year if things don't go well? Um, offensive coordinator, what if he gets a good offensive coordinator here like Shane Waldron, who's very important for his development his first couple of years, but then he gets a head coaching job elsewhere, right? How does that, you know, mess with, you know, a young player's development uh, like that, right? So there's a whole lot of different factors. What if he doesn't get the good offensive coordinator? Like we saw Luke Getzey, like there, there, there are so many different outcomes here when it comes to the, the surrounding situation for a young quarterback. And look, I, in an ideal world, the bears would have fired Matt Eberflus and gotten a guy like Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick to kind of, you know, have the understanding that they were going to draft a quarterback this year. And, um, you know, make that commitment to getting everything on the same page, but they didn't. It's not like we haven't seen a quarterback develop in those circumstances. Look what Josh Allen was able to do, you know, under Sean McDermott, who they brought in Brian Dable. You know, Brian Dable had some time to develop Josh Allen those first couple years where it was pretty rocky. It was pretty rough those first two years. But by year three, he, he put it all together. Brian Dable came to his own as a play caller, and we saw things really start to elevate for that Bills team to now where – you know, Allen is an elite, you know, top two quarterback in that Bill seems a Super Bowl contender because he's an elite quarterback like that on that level. So there isn't one perfect way to do it, but ultimately I, I think the big thing is you got to get the right guy. You got to make sure he's wired the right way. And that kind of brings us to discussion of, you know, the, the elephant in the room is that, you know, looking at this upcoming Bears, up, upcoming quarterback class for the Bears we finally got some, I guess, confirmation or finality to a storyline that has been kind of going around for the last few weeks, and that's, you know, Caleb Williams. Was he going to declare for the NFL draft? Now, I always felt like he was going to declare and that he was kind of waiting for a reason, you know, just to kind of have his name in the headlines maybe a little bit or 
because he wanted to do something special with the announcement. Um, but we have got some, got it, made it official. Caleb Williams, he's officially declared for the NFL draft. Um, and when you look at Caleb now officially being in there for the 2024 NFL draft, you know, is this really where the offseason for the for the Bears really begins? Because now that we kind of have that confirmation that, you know, a guy who has been considered by many scouts to be a borderline generational prospect, you know, however you want to phrase that uh, or define that, um, a guy who's been talked about as being the number one overall pick for years now um, is officially in this draft, you know, that really starts to put things into perspective for what the bears could pot- potentially do this off season. Yes. This is where the off season starts for the bears. I mean, if you look at the hype that's kind of led up to this moment, we've got people going back and forth for months and months, which is now the official name, I guess is the Caleb cult on Twitter in terms of all the people that want Caleb Williams and, would like to see the bears move on from Justin Fields. But yeah, I mean, listen, the bears are going to go to the senior bowl here in a few weeks. They're going to go to the scouting combine at the end of the month of February. And you know what? If you thought the noise was loud last year surrounding that first overall pick, I mean, it's going to be a thousand times louder this year. And this ultimately you look at kind of the trajectory of the offseason. I mean, until the Bears do something with that first overall pick, which, again, you're either keeping it and drafting a quarterback or you're trading it away to acquire more assets, there's going to be rumors linking Williams to Chicago. Now, what I don't necessarily anticipate happening is this, is that I don't see the Bears bringing in Caleb Williams for a top 30 visit. Well, I do see it, but I also don't see the news getting out that they're going to bring in, that they brought Caleb Williams in for a visit. I mean, when you're picking that high, it's kind of almost a given at this point that he's going to come here. He's going to spend, you know, whatever, a day or two, day and a half with the front office, the coaching staff, really get a chance to tour the facility. Because ultimately, you know, this is the biggest decision of Ryan Pohl's career. And this is going to be the one that defines his tenure as general manager because Paul so far, you may not be a big fan of what he's done, or you may be a big fan of what he's done, whichever side of the spectrum you're on, whether you're pro or anti Ryan Pulse, this is going to be the one decision that really either makes him the greatest GM in Chicago sports next to Jerry Krause or makes him the one that everybody forgets about and runs out of town. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, I I agree. This is the decision, right? I mean, it, let's say like Ryan Poles doesn't decide to draft Caleb Williams or a quarterback in this draft and he sticks with Justin Fields, right? If Justin Fields doesn't elevate his game into that next stratosphere as a player with a, a better roster around him, um, and you're stuck having to make a decision about whether to pay him, whether not to pay him, right? 
that can potentially have long-term ramifications for this franchise for years to come, you know, for not having that quarterback position settled. Right. And the same thing goes for, you know, if things don't work out, if you draft Caleb, right. If Caleb doesn't work out, he, you know, whether it's he flat out bust or just doesn't live up to quite his potential, um, you're kind of getting stuck in the same situation, right? Um, reset some things in terms of rookie contract timeline. We get all that stuff, but you miss out on an opportunity to get a, a large trade haul um, to miss out on a quarterback prospect, right? Like that, right? So, look, there are there there is risk associated with whatever route that the Bears decide to go with this. Um, but ultimately, I look at this as like, look, if you're the Bears right now, and I'm Ryan Poles, and I'm sitting in his position, right? Look at the state of the NFC, right? Who are, who are the top quarterbacks in the NFC right now? You got Dak Prescott. He's probably the best quarterback in the NFC right now. Jalen Hurts is maybe number two. Um, when healthy, like Kirk Cousins, Jordan Love, those probably are, are guys in that three or four range. Like Kyler Murray, I, I maybe is in that conversation, but he's kind of he's got to get back to his pre-injury form for me to kind of really feel good about that. And then you got guys like Brock Purdy, Jared Goff, who we we all know who good solid quarterbacks, but we're not considering to be elite quarterback. Those guys are are most more so products of you know being in the system that they are in. You know, J- Jared Goff working for a Ben Johnson, um, an elite play caller in Detroit, and you know <laughs> Brock Purdy with the juggernaut that is that 49ers offense, where I f- truly feel like they could put Sam Darnold in that spot he would have, you know, pretty damn good uh, production as well. Um, running that offense with the weapons they have and Shanahan calling plays and, and all that stuff. Right. So it's not like the quarterback situation in the NFC is like great right now. You compare that to the AFC where it's Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, uh, Joe Burrow, right. You got Trevor Lawrence, CJ Stroud. Like you have all these really young alien, Justin Herbert, even um, like, elite quarterbacks on the AFC side of things right now, Matt Stafford um, in the NFC still, I, I forgot to mention him, but he's, you know, he's getting up there in age, obviously like, look, the state of, of the quarterback position right now in the NFC is that it's wide open. Right. And if you get the quarterback position right this year with whatever decision you make, you have the potential to really to get one of those guys that can be, you know, stack up with the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. You have the opportunity to really dominate the NFC for the next half decade or so while teams are trying to catch up to you because having that difference maker at quarterback that, you know, that really that top five, top seven elite quarterback is such a huge advantage for you and it elevates your ceiling as a team immensely, right? Caleb, you know, for all of his faults as a prospect, right? And, and he does have some things he's going to have to work on in the league. He is one of those dudes, I feel like, to where he has that upside to be that elite quarterback that all every single team is looking for, right? The arm talent's there. The athleticism's there. The, the off-script creativity is there. Quick release is there. The ability to play on time when he, when he wants to play on time. He needs to be better there, but the ability to play on time in structure is there. Um, there is just, there's a lot to like about his game right now. Right. And it, in the situation where, look, I get it. The bears, the locker room loves Justin. The fans love Justin. I'm sure ownership 
And a lot of people in that front office love Justin person. But I think the Bears had to be really honest about them with themselves about what Justin Fields is as a player right now and what Caleb can be for them as a player moving forward here. To me, it really shouldn't be a difficult decision, right? To me, I think the Bears, they're going to look through this process now that Caleb has declared, and they're going to be looking for reasons not to, to you know, draft Caleb, knowing full well that he's probably going to be the guy that they, they, they zero in on as the process plays out. And it's really this incredibly complicated process because it's not just so something so simple as, hey, look, you know, let's go ahead and let's kind of move on from Justin Fields in order to really reset the entire timeline. But there's if you start to look at the Bears roster and again, you're talking solely 2024 only. I mean, the Bears right now, as of this moment, have $106 million invested into the defensive side of the ball alone. And again, you know, that comes from some big contracts like Montez Sweat, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards. You are looking at Jalen Johnson potentially. Well, Jalen Johnson is going to get a big time extension here at some point this offseason. And so that brings up a really intriguing question. And you look at where Justin Fields is at and the decision that you're going to have to make on his fifth-year option versus where Caleb Williams or Drake May is going to be coming into 2024 through the 2028 season. And guess what? It's going to be significantly cheaper for Ryan Poles to go ahead and basically draft a rookie quarterback than it is to have to make a decision on Justin Fields' fifth-year option, whether you pick it up or decline it, and then you're looking at possibly having to franchise or extend him. So knowing that the Bears have this $106 million invested into the defense. I mean, it tells me one thing right now. They're going to go ahead and they're going to kind of ride this thing out. They are completely okay with having a lot of money invested in defense as long as that big-name quarterback is on a cheap rookie deal. And then what will happen is when it's time to kind of start paying the quarterback and some of these other young pieces on the offensive side of the ball in two, three, four years, that's when, you know, the bears will get younger on defense and draft and develop there. So it's a big thing where it's not just, Hey, let's just bring in a guy to bring in a guy. I mean, that roster building and the financials certainly play a part for this team. And that fifth year option that they have to decide on regarding fields, I mean, makes such a massive difference that it could be one of the major deciding factors for do we go with this field in his fifth year option or do we go with this young rookie quarterback knowing it's better in the long term with all the young talent that we have yeah ultimately i feel like if it's close like the contract the financials are going to be kind of a tiebreaker there in terms of like how the bears view this thing because having that quarterback and rookie contract is such a big deal. And it doesn't can't be stated enough how big of a deal it is to have that financial flexibility um, at that quarterback position. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bears are really kind of, you know, have, have the trepidation to kind of commit to Justin Fields because of, you know, whether it be some of the inconsistency in his game, just not quite developing as quickly as you'd like to see in, in terms of as a passer. But I think main, probably the biggest thing for Fields is the durability aspect of things, right? Because he just he's he's gotten hurt in every single year. He's missed time every single year of his career. He holds on to the ball forever still. 
He takes a lot of big hits because of his play style, whether it is, you know, him as a runner, him holding onto the ball in the pocket. Like he's a guy who's going to take some shots, right? He's going to miss some time due to injury. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that plays a bit of a factor as well when making that decision, right? Uh, but ultimately, I look at this as just like, look, Caleb Williams, he, he's one of those one of those special prospects. You got a chance to draft one of these guys. Um, you're going to put him into a better situation than most number one overall picks um, usually step into. Um, like, I don't know. My, my thought is just like I'm all in uh, on this idea uh, of just getting the quarterback and you know, letting the chips fall where they may at this point, because I think it's best for the bears long-term to kind of shoot for the stars here, you know, try to try to be embrace the challenge of being great and not just settling for what they have, which has been a struggle for this organization for so long. You know, they've been stuck in the mediocrity way of, you know, the last 30 or so years where, you know, they rely so much on nostalgia from those 85 you know, that 85 Bears team and that great era of Bears football. And now we have the nostalgia of the Lovey Smith era where it was mostly just a mediocre products outside of a couple of years where they had some really nice success. Like the Bears as an organization needs to be more bold. They need to make a, a big decision here. And ultimately it's why I think, you know, Ryan Poles, I think he is a guy who is forward thinking. I think he is a guy who is willing to kind of see the big picture here. Um, and take a big risk when it's there. And ultimately, I just I just don't think you can come out of this draft without taking that big swing at quarterback. And, and for me, as we sit here right now, we still have a lot of evaluating to do when it comes to these guys. Uh, Caleb Williams, now that he's officially declared, he's got to be one of those guys that you look forward to adding uh, for this roster next year uh, in, in the draft. Uh, but speaking of the drafts, uh, we're gonna we're gonna end a little bit here in our last segment before we call it for the night. Um, let's talk a little bit of a little bit of senior bowl, you say, because speaking of quarterbacks, we did get some quarterback announcements from the senior bowl as well this past weekend that I think is going to be pretty exciting. So the, the senior bowl, we still have a couple weeks to go before, um, you know, we get everything rolling there with, uh, you know, practices and the games and, uh, all that stuff that's going to be, uh, going on for that. But we did get some interesting announcements, um, going on here. So, New quarterbacks being added uh, to the roster here. Uh, the, the big one, obviously, got to be Michael Penix Jr., who was added to the roster, um, accepted his, his invite over the weekend, which is really, really exciting because now you look at the roster of quarterbacks here at the Senior Bowl, and it's a lot better than most years that you would see here. So some of the names here, you got Michael Penix Jr., you got Bo Nix, who's coming off a really good year at Oregon, and other guys going to be kind of in that conversation to be a first-round pick. Spencer Rattler, Michael Pratt, uh, Sam Hartman from Notre Dame, um, Joe Milton uh, III out of Tennessee. Some really good talent at quarterback here for the Senior Bowl. And so with Michael Pennis Jr. now in the fold, you said, how does that change things for you know the Senior Bowl now and, and what's going to be at stake for that when it comes when that week comes up <clears throat> i mean it certainly makes things so much more interesting i know jim Nagy, the director of the Reese senior bowl put a tweet out about bo nix the quarterback from oregon whose career originally started at auburn about hey you know should we put both of these guys on the same team or separate team so we can kind of see them duel off and again you know we're still kind of finalizing things for the senior bowl here but this senior bowl 
so the group of quarterbacks, Michael Penix, the spotlight's going to be on him. And that's solely because if we look at the way that the season ended with Washington losing the national championship, you look at Michael Penix and who he is as a player, and you do start to see a lot of the red flags that pop up in terms of the inconsistencies that exist in his game. Now, to me, I mean, he is kind of your hybrid player in terms of he's got some qualities of a guy like a Jared Goff, for example, in terms of how he processes and how he looks at the field and how quick he is to get the ball out and his natural throwing motion. And then there's other instances where I look at his rocket of an arm and I say, yeah, that's an NFL-ready arm. That's an arm that if you have a team that plays in cold weather consistently, they would love to go ahead and have a guy like Michael Penix. But just the inconsistencies are there to the point where you start to wonder, okay, well, what type of middle ground does he necessarily have? And again, he to me is a very high ceiling, high floor type of player, just in the sense that you don't really necessarily know what you're going to get from him. And so in a few weeks when he's in Mobile, Alabama, along with the rest of the NFL world, I mean, for him, it's going to be all about trying to figure out who he is and what his identity is when it comes to being a quarterback. And that's ultimately what teams and scouts and GMs and coaches are going to be looking at. Yeah, I, I think the arm for Michael Penix is going to be something that's going to be on the minds of a lot of evaluators because it really is something that stands out when he does, you know, really put some zip on it um, over the middle of the field and on some of those vertical throws down the field. He does have the ability to really drive it, which really stands out when you watch him play the Texas game. This throws all over the tape um, in that game where he's just throwing darts down the field. Um, so yeah, I, 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 and I, I saw that tweet as well with, with Jim Nagy getting a little bit of a Pac-12 uh, rivalry going at the Senior Bowl right there uh, between Bo Nix and uh, uh, Panix Jr. Like that would be a lot of fun, I think, um, and, and add add to the competition, um, which you really want to see, and and that's the thing you want to see with these quarterbacks here is who's going to want to compete um, in a setting like that where you have you know the entire NFL scouting world kind of focused on you and. Um, every single team is going to be there. They're going to be talking to these guys, interviewing these guys, watching them practice, um, you know, seeing how they prepare throughout the course of a week and, you know, see how they interact with their teammates. So I, it's going to be a big week for a lot of these guys because, look, we can talk with the top two guys in this class all we want. You know, Jaden Daniels is kind of seen as that de facto number three guy for right now, um, just based off of the way that um, – Things are trending right now. But after that, like, there's a lot of questions for who that, that fourth, fifth quarterback, sixth quarterback, you know, who's going to be that next guy um, who could push for a first-round pick selection. You know, both Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. had been in that conversation. We know that J.J. McCarthy, who declared for the draft, you know, he's been in that conversation as well. So this could be a huge week for a guy like Michael Penix, who, like you said, like we saw the best and the worst of panics really in the in the college football playoff where he was so awesome against Texas, but against Michigan, you know, a lot of issues that he's had throughout the year, um, throughout his time at Washington really started to pop up um, once again. And we saw in a big spot that, look, there are some flaws with him right now um, and that he's going to have to, you know, show that he can work on those types of things. You know, you know, does he have the ability to consistently, you know, maneuver within the pocket right and um to make you know throws under pressure and throws on the run and and things like that so 
those are kind of the things that I, I'm looking forward to seeing with Michael Penix Jr. You know, how is he going to look in, in that environment right there with new receivers and all that stuff? Um, and it should be a lot of fun, I think. I, I think it'll, it'll be a fun time to see these quarterbacks compete. Ultimately, it's it, it really just comes down to, you know, again, you know, who's going to be the best prepared guy throughout the course of the week? Who's going to show that they're the most coachable? I, I think a lot of those intangible factors are going to come into play as well. Um, and ultimately, you know, the Senior Bowl, we're going to be doing a, a Senior Bowl preview episode at some point down the road here uh, when we get closer to the start of that. But this makes things a lot more exciting, I think. I, I'm really looking forward to the Senior Bowl this year, even though I, we won't be able to go this year. Um, I, I always look forward to the storylines that come out of the Senior Bowl. I think it's going to be one of the most exciting ones uh, when you look at the quarterback conversation here. Uh, but with that said, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us. I think we, we've talked a lot today about you know what's been going on with the Bears and um, you know the draft and and right now we're just we're gearing up to get into draft season, which I think we're both really just really excited. Like once the Senior Bowl is here, it's full on draft season for us, and, and I can't wait to get to that point. But until we get there, Bears fans, uh, for all the listeners out there, make sure to like, rate, subscribe for this podcast. Um, wherever you get your podcast, make sure to follow us on social media as well. You can follow us on Twitter at Picks for Polls, um, or Twitter on X, whatever you want to call it. You can follow the Bear Report on Twitter as well at Bear Report. Um, you said, where can our listeners find your work and find you on social media? So, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Usaid Koshal. You can also check out my work on the Bear Report website. I um, have stuff that drops, you know two to three times a week in terms of off-season outlook, scouting reports, um, also just looking at some rookie report cards from the 2023 season. Yeah, absolutely. And as we get closer to, uh, you know, all the draft stuff, I'll be doing a lot more draft content as well on the Bear Report, so you can check that out there. You can follow me on Twitter as well at agfreeman25, and you and you can follow me there. Um, and, yeah, just really looking forward to all that. But until next time, Bears fans, have yourself a great rest of your week. And so we get to you guys next week. Hopefully we have some more news to talk about in regards to the bears, but until next time, uh, have a great weekend and bear down. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why, what do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.